0: 1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, what do you need to know about this Peter Strzok character? And if you tune into the Talking Head shows tonight, this, this contentious hearing that's going on will be the, the subject of this. This is, of course, the FBI agent who couldn't keep his pants up, who's having the affair with the FBI the female lawyer who couldn't keep her pants up and they're exchanging all these hostile emails about President Trump. So what what do you need to know about this in, in shorthand terms? First of all, struck is an embarrassment and a disgrace. I have several friends retired from the FBI, and I know they're all shaking their heads about this, because I, I, if, if you work for a law enforcement agency like the FBI, that I have a ton of respect for, I, I really do, um, you you don't you don't engage in this sort of behavior you you don't send these sort of texts out especially involving the subject of an ongoing investigation it is unprofessional in the extreme it is disgraceful behavior and struck is an embarrassment i've been watching some of his testimony today and he's also not only a disgrace and an embarrassment he's an arrogant jerk in that he refuses to acknowledge that he did anything wrong. Well, that that's just, that's ridiculous. You know, he, he's a member of a premier, maybe arguably the premier law enforcement agency in this country. And, you know, you're engaging this sort of electronic pillow talk back and forth with your paramour, you know, talking about, uh, again, all the things he's saying. And again, one of the subjects of an investigation. It is extremely inappropriate. And what's the most frustrating to me about this is the guy doesn't appear to, he's unwilling to acknowledge that, okay, this might have been, you know, improper behavior. Of course it was improper behavior. Now, on the flip side of this, do I think that this indicated the FBI investigation was compromised or anything? No. I'm, what you had is you had a, a runaway, out-of-control, arrogant jerk of an agent who was involved in this investigative team who had the impulse control of fruit flies and apparently was just just completely certainly not thinking very well about the ramifications of the things he was saying should he have been removed from the case absolutely should he be run out of the fbi on a rail absolutely no question about this no ifs ands or buts having said that do I think that this indicates the larger point that the Robert Mueller investigation is going to be biased? No, I, I don't. What you had is a rogue, disgraceful agent. And, and people on the left should be really careful about making this guy your hero because he's not worthy of it. He is a disgrace to the men and women who serve in the FBI and do such an exemplary job. He's a disgrace to the people you know, who are supporters of President Trump, who are pointing to the fact that you've got this out-of-control, rogue, run-amuck FBI agent who's exchanging the, the pillow talk emails with his paramour. For those who say that this indicates a bias in the overall investigation, I don't think it does that either. I mean, what you have is you have two rogue employees of the FBI who are just sounding off to each other. Both of them need to be out of the FBI, period. No, No question about that. Larger implications. I I just don't think so. And I, I think all you need to know about that. We have, I think, a really, really interesting show today. A lot of topics centering on the question of political correctness run amok. Let's get right to it. Gru, who is producing the show today and always, have you ever been to Wyoming? You have never been to Wyoming. You should go to Wyoming sometime. Wyoming is a wonderful state. It's the the motto is they're the cowboy state. That, that's what they are. I I have not been to Wyoming in years and years, but back when I was in college, I traveled all across the country on the national debate team, and there used to be a, um, well, the, the season always used to start off with a, uh, a a two weekend swing. First you'd go to first you'd go to Wyoming, University of Wyoming, which is in Laramie, Wyoming, and then you'd go down to. Um, uh, University of Northern Colorado, which is in Greeley, Colorado. But that's how it used to start. So you know, we'd, we'd start the season. You'd, you'd go out to to Laramie, Wyoming. And I have, I mean, I I remember nice open campus. Um I, I like University of Wyoming and Laramie, Wyoming. The University of their their mascot, their nickname is they are the Cowboys. Right, just like University of Wisconsin has the Badgers. Just like uh, Michigan has the Wolverines, Um, you know, Michigan State is the Spartans. In Wyoming, they are the Cowboys. If you go to the University of Wyoming, you are a Cowboy. Just like if you go to the University of Wisconsin, you are a Badger. All right? That's the background. And it's not surprising that, you know, you're a Cowboy if you go to the University of Wyoming, because like I say, it is the Cowboy State. That is their slogan. The, the image, the logo that they have for the University of Wyoming cowboys is a silhouette of a cowboy on a horse. The horse is bucking. I mean, think, it's, think kind of bucking bronco. Cowboy on a horse. The horse is bucking. Cowboys got one hand on the reins and another his hat in the other hand. Okay. Like the bucking Bronco thing, like you see in the Westerns. That is the logo of the University of Wyoming Cowboys because it is the cowboy state. Got it? All right. So where are we going with this? Why is this controversial? Well, the University of Wyoming has decided that they want to try to recruit. They're, they're doing this, this publicity campaign. They want to recruit people to come to Attend the University of Wyoming, so they have a marketing campaign drawn to design to just get more people to enroll, and so the slogan that they have come up with as part of this campaign is that the world needs more cowboys. All right, kind of like the world needs more badgers. That that's what they're saying. The world needs more wolverines. That that's that's it. The world needs more cowboys. And they are doing this marketing campaign where they send out the image of the university, like I say, their their logo, the cowboy on the bucking bronco, etc. That's the tagline. The world needs more cowboys. Now, are they suggesting that the world needs more people who are actually going to ride the range and work as cowboys? No. They're saying the world needs, come to us. We are the Wyoming Cowboys. The world needs more cowboys. Got it? Groove. That is not a hard concept, right? You're with me. Okay, you follow this. The world needs more cowboys. Actually, I think it's kind of a a clever sort of play on, on words. All right. So why are we talking about this, Jeff? Well, people are upset. This This has been featured, and the university is taking all sorts of heat from this. For example... Daryl Hutchinson, cultural specialist with an Indian tribe, a Native American tribe in Wyoming, said the slogan implied that people who do not fit the stereotypical image of a cowboy, a white man with a wide brimmed hat riding the range on horseback, are not welcome. If you're not a white person, and especially if you're an Indian, it would make you feel out of place it wouldn't make you feel too good about yourself. So this is appalling, this is racist, and this is sexist. All right, other people are complaining that, well, what's this with cowboys? What about females? What about the women? How can you encourage somebody, are we being exclusionary by saying, we want females to come but yet we want you to be cowboys. I swear I do not make this up. Donnell O'Toole, a university professor at the University of Wyoming, says this is a sexist slogan. As with many universities, the higher you go up in rank, the higher the proportion of men you find within the university. Um... This is in a state where the official motto is equal rights. We need to make an effort to reach everyone. Christine Porter, associate professor of, at the University of Wyoming, says, it's very 1950s to think that boy somehow includes girl. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Their slogan is the world, their promotional motto is the world needs more cowboys. Is this racist? Is this sexist, or are these people completely and totally out of their minds? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Political correctness run amok, or, gee, you know, it is 2018. Maybe cowboy is racist and sexist. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Twelve eighteen. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve twenty one. Jeff Wagner, WTM. If you're just tuning in, Wyoming is the cowboy state. The University of Wyoming is in Laramie. They are the cowboys. So they go to root for the Wyoming cowboys at football games and things like that. They are trying to attract more people to the university. So they've just launched a marketing campaign saying the world needs more cowboys. Sort of like the world needs more badgers. They are trying to attract people to come to the university. They are getting all sorts of blowback by from professors and members of Indian tribes saying, this is racist, this is sexist. What do you mean the world needs more cowboys? What about girls? If you're a Native American and there are Native American tribes in Wyoming, you will be offended at being a cowboy. How can you market like this? Political correctness run amok or... Ah, do we need to be more sensitive to these things? 414-799-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My response, I I, I hear about this stuff, and I just want to say, you know, three words. Give me strength. Susan in South Milwaukee. Susan, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
1: Hello there. Uh, Yes, I have a niece who is a cowboy in Wyoming, a great niece. And uh, she trains horses on a ranch and shows them, and she's very proud to be a cowboy. She went to school in Illinois for this, uh, and loves every minute of it.
0: Well, well, right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't think anybody necessarily thinks thinks of this as being a racist or a sexist term. It's just kind of a generic thing, and it's been the mascot since Wyoming was there, for goodness sakes. I mean, I don't know. Are are we offended that we would say, hey, the world needs more badgers? Who's going to get offended by that, for goodness sakes?
1: Well, I don't think anybody should be offended by that term. A cowboy is generic. Right. There were a lot of of uh, Native Americans who were cowboys. Y- yes, it, right. that doesn't mean that you're be, you're you know uh, belittling them by calling them a cowboy. Uh, yeah. It's what their job
0: was. Well, well, right, right. Thanks, exactly. It it's right. It's one of these generic terms. I mean, get, get this. Okay, at the, here's a woman. Her name is Christine Boggs. She's the co-chairman of the committee of women and people of color at the university. Give me a break. Okay, she says, well, I'm not criticizing cowboys, but if we're striving to be a diverse university, exposing our students to a broader scope of ideas, we have to invite them in a more positive, inclusive way. Oh, give me a break. All right, they are the cowboys. So that means that, you know, anybody but now look, I understand there's always the politically correct and they're perpetually offended out there who wake up every morning looking to be upset about something, but you seriously mean to tell me that somebody who sees this slogan trying to attract people to the university says, gee, I'm a female and I'm going to be offended because I, I, I'm not going to go to Wyoming. It's not inclusive because it's, they're inviting me to be a cowboy and I'm a, a girl or a woman, or again, then, then it gets even more bizarre when, you you have okay. Well, the the Native Americans. Gee, they they can't be cowboys. I mean, who thinks up this stuff? Let's talk to Paul in Reedsville. Paul, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hey Jeff. Um, about this name. Uh. Do we not have teams called Celtics and Irish and Vikings?
0: Well, the Fighting Irish. Notre right, Notre Dame. Let's say Notre Dame does the same thing. Welcome, you are now the fighting a member of the Fighting Irish. I mean, are we supposed to be offended by that if you get accepted to Notre Dame?
1: He was. I I hope not. But if you are, then maybe you ought to not go there.
0: Well, yes.
2: Common sense is no. You know. But.
0: Well, well, right, exactly. No, thanks. I mean, okay, I. I don't like badgers. Badgers aren't—they're not the friendly image of you. You've, you ever been attacked by a badger? I mean, they got teeth. They growl at you. I don't know. I—I'm well, going to be offended. They're calling me a badger. Oh, how uh, this is just absolutely terrible about this. I, again, of all the different stupid. Things to be upset about. I I have to tell you that this takes the cake. And and this is a huge controversy at the University of Wyoming. How dare you come up with a marketing campaign encouraging people to, to want to be cowboys because that's not inclusive. Well, I will tell you, I mean, I guess my response would be snowflake. If you are offended by this, maybe what you need to do is go back into mom's basement and blow up that plastic bubble to protect yourself from what's going on in the Real world, Freddie in Milwaukee. Freddie, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hello, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, listen. Uh,
2: if these people that are making these comments would ever look back and do a little history work, they'd find out that in the bull riding circuit and in the bronc riding circuit, there are Native Americans in that in that uh, mm-hmm. sport, and they're also national champions. Yep. Yeah, and, and also there are some women. That are in bronc busting too in the rodeos. Yeah. I don't. I haven't seen any in the bull riding yet, but I know there's some that are in, in bronc busting.
0: Yeah, right, right, exactly. And that's just. And that. that's sort of that is the generic term for this. Our text line exploding. Mitch writes. In fact, many Native Americans have been cowboys, both both vocationally and Wyoming grads. These people are idiots. Well, yeah, that, that's exactly what this is. Uh, somebody else texts. It just goes to show you that it's always something. Um, yeah, it's always something. And a lot of times it's something really stupid. Somebody texts in surprise. Someone hasn't said that horse is being mistreated in the logo. Again, I, um, I appreciate that, you know, there, there are real feelings and there's real issues of racism and sexism. But come on. Here's another text. This country honestly gets offended over every little thing. I say remove all mascots, remove all images, remove all slogans. God forbid we hurt someone's feelings. This is getting ridiculous. Um Yeah, but this is, of course, the issue that is out there. Political correctness run amok. That is actually a theme of today's show. Stick around. 1228 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. At 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. Let's see. Um the Brewers continue their road trip. Next stop Pittsburgh to take on the Pirates. Jeff and Lane have the call. Our Brewers Game Day coverage starts tonight at 6:30 sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Be sure to check that out. Brewers continue to have the best record in the National League even after, you know, kind of a disappointing loss last night in extra innings in Miami. In addition, they continue to be a game and a half ahead of the Chicago Cubs, which is uh tremendous. All right. Um Grew producing the show today and always John Schnatter. Do you know that name? Do you know who he is? Papa John, exactly. He is the founder or was. He is the founder, he was the chairman, and he was the public face of the pizza chain, Papa John's. Um, now, you might remember, you know, Papa John's had a partnership with the NFL. And remember, you'd see all these ads, and the ads featured Peyton Manning. And some of the more recent ads featured J.J. Watt, and you had Peyton Manning, and you had Papa John, John Schnatter. He, um, he, well, came under a lot of criticism last year, last November, because as the, the NFL's national anthem crisis was kind of blowing up, you know the players not kneeling he he went out and and he publicly committed what was apparently heresy. he said that um you know he he thought that um one of the that the nFL's poor leadership in handling these demonstrations during the national anthem uh protest that that had that had hurted that it hurt you know papa john's business that's that's what he said he said this is the NFL has not handled this right and and I, I think it's hurt my my business. Um, He he was widely criticized for that because what happened afterwards is you had these white supremacist groups who said, ah, they started rallying to this guy's cause and saying, look, here's the Papa John guy that's saying this. Now, I I don't. I I don't know what was in his his heart. I mean, I don't know if there was racist intent to this or not. I think what he was saying is that, you know, he was saying what I think was the reality that, you know, NFL ratings ended up being down. We have talked about this on multiple occasions. There were some people, maybe you were one of them, who was just turned off by these different types of protests and, you know, stopped watching the NFL, Papa John's associated with the NFL, and... That's what the guy said. Well, anyhow, he was just ripped, especially after the white supremacists jump groups jumped on on top of this. So he's been maintaining a lower profile until recently. Well, here's what happened um, about a month ago. Papa John's hires a a public relations specialist, um, and and what they're they're doing is they're working with Schnatter, Papa John to try to figure out ways to avoid stepping into th- this landmine again. Now, I'm going to share with you the story that, that broke on Forbes yesterday. But before that, I, I just want to be real clear here. I, I think use of the N-word is inappropriate um, under any circumstance. I, I, I do. It, I cringe. Candidly, even when I hear persons of color use that term and and whether it's a state senator or whether it's a gangster rapper or whether it's some 16 year old kid on on the street, I, I think I think we would be better off if. If it was just understood that nobody can use that word, and I don't buy this idea that well, you know, you can say it if you're a person of color, and you can't if you're not. I mean, it, it, this is one of those words that should not be used. That is my opinion. I think it is never appropriate to use that word, and and candidly, I think even people of color who use that word, I, I think they don't. I, I think it is it's it's wrong, and I think we'd be all better off if that word just disappeared from our vocabulary. All right. So here's what happens, and now let me. Let me read you the, the story that appeared on Forbes yesterday, which has now resulted in pretty much the end of, of Papa John. John Schnatter, the founder, chairman, and public face of pizza chain Papa John's, used the N-word on a conference call in May. He confirmed the incident in an emailed statement to Forbes on Wednesday. Now, let me digress for a minute. After doing this, he is now out. As the chairman of, of Papa John's. He's now, that's this follow up today. He's now out of Papa John's. He was on the University of Louisville Board of Trustees. He's out of, of that gig. So this has happened immediately, all after confirming this. He used the N word on a conference call. Okay. So he's gone. All right. Now the story continues. The conference call was arranged between Papa John's executives and a marketing agency, Laundry Service. It was designed as a role-playing exercise for Schnatter, that would be Papa John, in an effort to prevent future public relations snafus. And then it talks about the problem with the NFL last year. On the May call, Papa John Schnatter was asked how he would distance himself in the future from racist groups online. Again, part of the controversy involving the stuff in November was he said, hey, this, this, the way the National Football League is botching the handling of this, it's hurting our business. And you had a lot of, again, these white supremacist groups who took that as an endorsement and, and they started supporting him, which created the problem. Okay, so they they say, okay, in the future, how would you distance yourself from racist groups online? He, that is Papa John, responded by downplaying the significance of his NFL statement. Here's what he says. Quote, Colonel Sanders called blacks, and then he uses the N-word. He doesn't say the N-word, but he says, Colonel Sanders called blacks, he uses the N-word. Um, and then he said, Colonel Sanders never faced public backlash. So he he uses the N-word, but he doesn't, He's not using it to direct it at any group or an individual. You know, they're talking about these public relations stuff, and I think he's he's kind of frustrated, and he's throwing up his hands. And he says, "I, you know, Colonel Sanders used – I mean, this is what – the term that he would use, and he never faced any public backlash. But he did – he didn't say the N-word. He said exactly what the N-word is. Um He also reflected on his early life in Indiana, where he said people used to drag African-Americans from trucks until they died. He intended for the remarks to convey his antipathy to racism, but multiple individuals on the call found them to be offensive. After learning about the incident, the laundry service owner, that's the PR firm, moved to terminate the company's contract with Papa John. All right, here's what he said yesterday afternoon. He confirmed the allegations. He says news reports attributing the use of this language particularly the n-word to me during a media training session regarding race are true regardless of the context i apologize simply stated racism has no place in our society like i say now he he's out at papa john's now he's out at the university of louisville because he he used the n-word and i guess the question now becomes you know does context does context Matter. He used this word when sort of talking about the, the whole flap, and he says, Well, this is, this is a word that, that Colonel Sanders used. Now, admittedly, it was a different time, and Colonel Sanders never faced any sort of public backlash. But regardless of the context within which he used this word, that was enough, and people were offended, and that was enough to cause him to, I mean, lose the gig. He's had to resign as the chairman from Papa John's. He's out at the University of Louisville. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. Now, I, I think, I think the guy's comment was, was dumb. I think that is a word, which again, we, we should just ban from the vocabulary. And I don't care. I don't care who it is that's speaking it. I think the world would be a lot better place if that word never appeared. At the same time, in this context, he, he's not calling people that word. He's simply, you know, talking about historical reference and, you know, and, and maybe he's frustrated that, you know, he's being accused of being a racist when he doesn't feel that he is a racist. And I'm sure there's a degree of frustration about that. But, but should context matter? Or is the mere fact that he uttered that word is that in and of itself enough to cause him to lose all the, these gigs? Or does context matter? 414 That's the Akinet Mortgage talk and text line. Oh, look, I, I, I don't know Papa John one way or the other. I don't care one way or the other whether he loses his gig or, or whatever. But, but does context, does context matter at all? Is he being treated fairly? Um, would there be the same flap If instead of actually saying the word, if his point was that that he's frustrated by this and if he had simply said, well, Colonel Sanders used the N-word and there wasn't, you know, he called, you know, he used the N-word and there wasn't a flap, would that be different? Should he really lose his gig because he said that word, a word which unfortunately, you know, you hear on a regular basis if you're listening to certain types of music or if you're uh, again, walking the, the streets of some parts of urban America, 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. See, I, I do think that this this story kind of emphasizes the, the, the problem and the inconsistencies and the conundrum. Here's a text. What about Denzel Washington using that word in the movie Fences constantly? That that That's okay. Um, but does does context matter at all? And look, I, I have no sympathy. Well, I don't. The guy that runs Papa John's. I mean, I have no sympathy one way or the other. Let's uh, start with Susan in Milwaukee. Hi, Susan.
1: Hi, Jeff. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. What do you think about all this?
1: I think that context does not matter. I think that in this day and age, when um, racism is alive and well and people are dying and people are worked up over it super sensitive i think that people in positions of power like puppet john's man um... they need to Mm -hmm. be more careful be more aware be more sensitive don't use words
0: like that if he were to have said uh, again instead of actually saying the word if he had said just use the n-word and made the same point Colonel Sanders used to use the N word all the time, and there was never any backlash. Would you have felt that that was worthy of 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 him you know, having to step down?
1: I do because to me, he's defending Colonel Sanders and him using that word, and it sickens me. So yes, I do.
0: Okay, thanks for the call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't I mean, I don't I don't know that I don't know that I interpret what he's doing as a defense of Colonel Sanders, uh you know, using that that term. I guess maybe some people can interpret it that way. I sense that this was a frustration that that's. That, that he feels that he was unfairly singled out and the fact that white supremacist groups jumped on his, his criticism of the NFL for its reaction to the, the kneeling controversy. That, that's the sense that, that I get. But, but the reason, the reason he's getting all the heat now isn't a defense of Colonel Sanders. It's a use of that word for actually saying that word, which, by the way, I agree is, I agree is offensive and, um, but, but unfortunately, you you hear this all the time in our society, and you hear it in, in different sort of contexts, perhaps different contexts than were used before. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Chuck in Milwaukee. Chuck, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
2: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Chuck. Well, I think we've entered a dangerous period. I think we've gone back to the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, if someone said, or if you said something that someone interpreted as satanic or something, you could be tortured and burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying, no matter what your life has been, if you've done good things, bad things, if you say one word or one sentence that somebody doesn't like, you're condemned.
0: Well, uh, and again, without without necessarily considering the context, I mean, if if he had been on this conference call saying, um, you know, p- pick any sort of ethnic slur you want, not just the N word. I, I, we have too many of, you know, blanks, you know, working at Papa John's. Well, okay, that I, that I understand. Um, that's not really what he was saying here. And th- th- of course, this is ironic that this whole thing comes up. He's in a, a role playing session, you know, trying to figure out how to avoid you know, uh, uh, you know, future public relations gaffes. I mean, the, there, there's a rich irony to this whole thing as well. So you just think that, that context does matter and that we're, we're we've kind of gone around the bend when it comes to some of these issues. Yeah. Thanks for the call. 414 Let's talk to Vincent on the Northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, I think context does matter. I think he is being treated unfairly. The fact is, he wasn't referencing individuals. He was referencing a person that that uh, uh, kind of uh, reference a person that was using a particular word that didn't get as much flag. He wasn't referencing individual or individual people. The fact is, is that we have period movies and period uh, uh, books and and things of that sort that people are upset about because of the N word in it. The fact is, is that you have you have to sit down and rationalize the context of the whole thing. Right. You know, where, where are we in this particular period? You know, he, he could he have used it uh, different, you know, because he just said the end word. Yeah, he could have. Right.
0: Or or exp- I mean, I, I think he would have. There's no question that there, there's better ways that he could have expressed this, for example. Um, he could have said you know, j- j- all sorts of people have said a lot worse things than I have said, and I, I they didn't get the fallout. He, he he could have expressed himself in a much better way. There's no question about it.
3: Yeah, but the fact is he he, he wasn't being racist and and trying to demean individuals. So uh, the, the thing is, I think it was a little over over overblown and overplayed by the company, but, you know, the company's in a bad position because of what happened, like you said, with the NFL thing and the right. and the uh, uh, skinheads and everything coming to his rescue. So, uh, and I don't know what else has gone on in the company, but the fact is at this particular point, I think they treated him more well.
0: fairly. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And again, th- this is from the perspective, and again, I, I want to be real clear here. I, I think that word is completely and totally inappropriate. I, I, I don't care who it is, you know, when it, when I see African American actors, for example, in movies using that term, do I think they, they have a right to do it? Is it a protected thing? Yeah. But but do I cringe? yeah yeah I do because they normalize the word that they shouldn't have normalized, and I have an interesting call a uh, text here. Um, your first caller is absolutely right, that would be Susan. He is defending the language. she's wrong in saying that context doesn't matter. Context definitely matters, and the context was that Papa John used it in to show that he thought it was no big deal, and he was defending it no i i I mean maybe that's one interpretation that's not necessarily how I interpret it i I think he was saying look, um, there are people, Colonel Sanders, who've said a lot worse things than I said and never got any of that fallout. Now, of course, part of the thing that he needs to realize is we're not in 1955 anymore. It's 2018. But I don't know that I think that it's fair to say that he thought it was no big deal and he was defending it. I think that he was trying to say, look, the stuff I said doesn't rise to the level of people who use those terms. Twelve. In any event, he's gone. Um, I'm sorry. I've jammed phone lines. We're going to move on to the next segment of the program. But uh, he's he's gone, a- and it was the, the the axe fell immediately. I mean, this was this was a conference call in May, and by the way, this wasn't even a public statement. I mean, it's not like he was given a speech or an interview. This was a private call between executives of Papa John's and this this crisis management thing, you know, where they were doing the role playing thing, and and somebody voice this. I mean, somebody went to Forbes and said, Gu- guess what happened? And within 24 hours of this being reported, that the guy's out of Papa John's. He's out of the University of Louisville's Board of Regents. He was a big contributor. It, it is amazing how swiftly the ax falls nowadays. And I'm not advocating in any way, shape or form the use of that word, but it does show um just what goes on in society and how quick judgments can, can be. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's one oh eight. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. grew who's producing the show. I want you to get human resources on the line. I, I have a I want to file a complaint, Melissa Barclay. She she just she went all ageist on me during the Oh I, 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 I am offended. I, I just I let well, let's I want I want to talk to human resources completely unprovoked. During the break Scott Warris is my witness. We're doing now, Melissa, see it's we're doing that. you're doing that story on Build-A-Bear. which yeah, so is am like,
2: gonna defend myself here, I think.
0: well okay you all right this this is how people get in trouble but okay so all right so you're doing this story on build a bear and the story is that they've got this special deal going that is causing traffic jams it's like you show up outside of build a bear and and you you pay it's based on your age
3: you pay
2: your age
0: all right so completely unsolicited i'm sitting here minding my own business minding my own business and out of the clear blue she says so jeff if you were to go over to build a bear for the, how much like, would you pay? How much would you pay exactly? I mean,
2: it was an honest question, Jeff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I was only kidding. Uh, uh, no. okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Plus, we're friends. You don't, you don't, don't, don't call human resources on that. But it is, um, it is amazing. What this, I was going to say, line.
2: thirty. <laughs> Right, see? Everything's smoothed over yeah, now. Yeah,
0: they're it's everything. I still love you. Is, isn't this amazing that you it have is all these amazing. people that are showing up out there? Well,
2: no. it really is. And I mean, it, I don't know if it's because it's it's cheap or because these bears are popular, but anytime there's a sale like this, I mean, my gosh, if you have a kid that's two, your Build a Bear is $2. Right, right. That's amazing.
0: Now, of course, the the other thing is, and Wallace and I were talking about the other reality is, if I was there by myself, you know, standing in line with all these people with kids, you, they'd be calling the cops, you know? It's kind of like, okay, be creepy, what, right, right, yeah. what is what is this guy doing standing there by himself yeah. at the Build-A-Bear thing? So uh, I, I'm going to stay away. I actually like, um, we, uh, a number of years ago, my, my niece... You know, we we took her um over to, to build a bear, mm-hmm. and and that, they were actually cool. She, I, she has a couple of those, I think. Over now, she's she's you know a freshman. She's going to be a sophomore in college, so not anymore. But I remember that was kind of fun. We went over to the one at May, Mayfair once or twice. Well,
2: I think it kind of teaches kids too how this bear is built. It's kind of fun. You know, you get to. I, I've never been to one. Well, I've been in one, but I haven't gotten a bear. But Got it was a fun event. Yeah.
0: Okay, we'll call off human resources. Thank I still you. love you, Melissa. <laughs> <Okay>. Absolutely. <laughs> What's that old guy doing in the line at Build-A-Bear? How much money does he have in his wallet? Okay. I, you know, um, th- this happened at the end of last week, um, and, and it really got a lot of attention after Milwaukee Alderman Bob Donovan um, sent out the, the, the footage of this. It's the story about what happened at the, the George Webb restaurant that happens to be in Donovan's district. Um, if you haven't been following the story and and one of the things that that makes it so interesting is because there's video that goes along with it and whenever you see you know video it it becomes more dramatic um you, you have george webb's many of them are open twenty four hours a day and so what happens is this is a situation where it, it's third shift um june twenty eighth um at this you know uh george webb restaurant what happens is the there there's the manager who's also you know doubling as a waitress and if you've been at these George Webbs i mean I don't know how many people they have staffing them but there's there's not a lot of people in in the George Webbs you know late at night you've got one maybe one or two rest you one or two waitresses and you've got a cook and there, there's not too many people that are there um so what happens is that the manager is is waiting on a guy who's who's like a regular customer um and all of a sudden um she gets she gets um, she gets punched. Um, what happens is that apparently the restaurant did have a bunch of customers in it. Um, they're working third shift. The guy, um, apparently there's a little bit of a wait, and he, he starts getting agitated. He says, I don't want to wait anymore. I want a refund. And so then what happens is the, the waitress goes to her manager to, you know, authorize the refund. And the guy um, follows and he leaves the counter and he goes behind the counter and he comes into the kitchen where the, the manager is at the time. And what happens is the guy punches the manager. I mean, just starts screaming at and, and punches the manager who was also, you know, serving as well. Well, um, you know, the, the manager says, you know, I, I almost I almost like face planted into the grill that this guy hits me. Um and you know we we don 't know exactly what 's going to happen. this is uh, you know twenty first and Mitchell you know he 's now punched me out, and this is all being caught on surveillance film well the the waitress you know the, the waitress who had been serving him in the first place she has a concealed carry permit and she has a gun, and what she does is she pulls out the gun on you know she she draws on the guy that's just assaulted her manager um and you know she she points it out and what happens is that the guy you know sees that you know he he's got this gun trained on him and what he does is he ends up fleeing so i mean that that's the incident and you know i i think it's it's very clear that what would have happened, I mean, who knows what would have happened, but the man had already punched the manager at the George Webbs and uh, was agitated. The reason the assault stopped was because this waitress was carrying a gun. Now, um, I don't know if the patrons knew that she had a gun, but apparently what happened was the um, restaurant's owner had said to her, "Um, yes, as long as you have a concealed carry permit, you can carry the firearm." You can bring the gun. And she brought the gun. And as a result of that, she was able to thwart the attack on her manager. And like I said, um, this George Webb, it's on 21st and Mitchell. um, They say that they've had security and safety problems there before. Um, The woman who, the waitress who had the gun, who pulled out the gun and scared the guy off, um, she apparently quit the night it happened. The manager is still, you know, working there. And the manager says, hey, I love this neighborhood. I'm not going to give up my job. I want to stay here. I'm not going to let crime scare me off. But the bottom line was this would have in all likelihood been a lot worse than it was. And it was bad had the employee not been carrying the firearm with the blessing of her employer. Our number 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This underscores something that I have been arguing for the longest time. I think there are, there are many businesses around there who are, they're concerned about liability. They're concerned about the way stuff looks. And so whether it's pizza delivery people or waitresses who are, you know, working in the, these 24 hour diners where there's not a lot of security. Um, you know, too many, I think employers say, we're not going to allow you to protect yourself. Don't don't even think about bringing a gun to work. I think as a general rule, these businesses are a lot safer. The customers are safer. The employees are safer because employees make the choice to arm themselves. And I think as a matter of policy, more and more employers should be giving their employees the freedom, whether, again, they're the, the waitress at the all-night restaurant or, Or they're the pizza delivery guy that's out at, you know, midnight delivering pizzas into different high crime areas. I think if employees make the decision that they want to go get the concealed carry permit and learn how to use the gun, I think that employers should give them the latitude to do it. This would have been a lot worse had that employee not with the blessing of her employer been carrying a firearm 414-799-1620, That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. And, and candidly, I think if the word gets out that you know more and more of these employees, whether you're in a convenience store or the pizza delivery guy or the waitress who's you know serving tables at two o'clock in the morning, if the word gets out that some of these people might be carrying firearms, I think the community in general is going to be safer. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty do you fault this woman for bringing the gun to work? Do you fault her for doing what she did? Would we be safer if more of these employees did it? Let's start with Jeff on the northwest side. Jeff, you're first. Hello, uh,
4: hi, Jeff. We're two Jeffs. um say, I just wanted to mention that I gave my kudos to the woman that had the gun that had the gun and used it. Uh, she didn't I shouldn't say she used it. she pointed she yeah, it yeah, yeah, she pointed it, and I think that's more than enough to try to scare certain people away if not. I carry the concealed gun myself. I'm handicapped. I'm in a wheelchair, and I would not be afraid to use it. I would not shoot him to kill him or her, but if I had to, I would.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in this typical in this situation, I mean, who knows what would have happened? The guy had already attacked the manager. You know, she almost, like I say, you know, goes face down onto the grill. He's uh, apparently in the process of continuing to do it. Thank God this woman had the firearm. Because if she didn't, who knows what we would have been looking at here.
4: Well, I've been preaching that for years. Um, I'm not. A, <clears throat> I, I am a pro gun advocate. I am not one that wants to, to go out and kill people. That's not what we're trained to do. I was in the service for quite a long time years ago, and I was trained to use many types of weapons. And this is a weapon that I know is deadly. And. I would not, again, I would not harm them, to hurt them, to kill them, but mm-hmm. if I had to, I would.
0: Well, right now, thanks for calling, right? If if the choice is, gee, you have somebody that is assaulting um, my co-worker and might damn near kill her... Or, you know, what What am I going to do? She, this is the manager, is extremely lucky that that employee had that firearm. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. 799 Back with more calls in just a moment. I think, number one, this woman at the George Webbs was a hero, this waitress. And, and number two, I think employers should be rethinking their policies, particularly in situations where you have your employees In dangerous situations, you know, you're working at that convenience store at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're exposed working at the all-night diner or whatever. I, I think, you know, if there were perhaps more guns around, things would be safer. We just continue the conversation next. It's 119. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 122, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The legal battle is about to heat up between the city of Milwaukee and Bird Rides. Those are the the motor scooters, the scooters. Um, How do other cities deal with the rentable electric scooters? Gene Miller takes a look at 821 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Jane on the northwest side. Jane, good afternoon.
1: Hello. I think it's time that more people carried guns more more good people carrying guns would mean less crime and my very pet peeve is the stores that have the big sign that say no guns allowed because all they're doing is saying to these teenagers and these robbers come on in there's nobody here gonna stop you
0: okay so all right let's let's say you're eating at that george Webb's. you're you know you're you're down there it's 11 30 at night and all of a sudden you become aware of the fact that one of the the waitresses or one of the waiters, or one of the bus guys, or whoever you see that they're carrying a firearm—is that going to freak you out?
1: Absolutely not. I would congratulate them and tell them good luck.
0: Yeah, yeah got it. No, thanks. Well, I think I would too. I mean, I, I candidly—I mean, if I'm in that situation, I'm not worried about the person that, that's working behind the counter. I'm not worried about the waitress or the waiter. I'm not worried about the the cook. I'm more worried that you're going to have some. Uh, again crazy gang banger or just crazy person or whatever who's going to come in off the street and who's going to start tearing up the place or is there to rob the place or or whatever I, I mean again i just i also think it's a matter of employee safety um i just th- there are some occupations i mean this idea that you're going to put Uh, Again, I keep coming back to pizza delivery drivers because you always have those stories. You know, you talk about somebody that's just really exposed here, you know, go deliver a pizza or a submarine sandwich to a high crime area where people know that even if you're not carrying a lot of money, you've got a car. That's what's happening now. You've got some of these people are getting carjacked and you've got employers who say don't defend yourself. Sean in Brookfield. Sean, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey
2: there,
4: Jeff. Hi, Sean. I agree with what you're saying. And, uh... I am pro gun, and what I want to know, though, you know, it's unlike. We we all feel safer when we go to public events where there's a policeman that's Mm -hmm. armed, and we've got the city of
2: Milwaukee taxpayers paying for whatever happens from that person who's armed and representing the law. But how does the insurance
4: industry handle it
2: in a private practice where you've got this (laughs) element where you're hiring? policies have to be altered or mm-hmm. you know, there there is a degree of risk for the insurers. Oh yeah. So right. so that's I guess that's the perspective that I haven't heard or read about yet.
0: Well no and I, I think I mean thanks to Colshaw you you make a good point. I mean that that's that one of the concerns. Matter of fact I've got a story coming up um, in the next half hour that I want to tell you about about a a, a guy who Thwarted a robbery and lost his job because that's part of the problem that some of these stores end up having is exactly what you're talking about their their attitude is all right let don't intervene because you know give somebody what they want let let them if you've got somebody that's stealing or robbing, okay just just don't don't um, you know up the ante just comply. Well, of course, uh, because we, we don't want you to intervene because if you get hurt or somebody else gets hurt, then we're going to have the lawsuits. Well, OK, that that doesn't really, though, address the fact of what do you do when you have somebody who's engaging in assaultive behavior who is, you know, attacking one of your employees and there's nobody around to defend them? Um, I, I understand. This is where you you have the, this battle. The employers, you know, you sit behind your desk and you say, "Well, you know, I'm I'm afraid that we're going to get sued." Well, okay, that that's great, but it doesn't help when you know your employee is getting the you know what beat out of them, you know, by some crazy person, you know, late one evening working third shift. But it is it is that tension. But in this particular case, I I applaud the George Webb's owner who gave the employee the permission to carry the firearm. And I certainly apply, applaud the employee who, in this particular case, decided to take matters into her own hands and say, I'm not going to let my co worker, in this case, my manager, you know, get, get beaten up. And, you know, Bob Donovan raises the larger issue of, you know, how out of control, again, crime is in certain parts of the city. That's a story for another day. 127, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 138, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, the Democratic race for governor is heating up. John McCure gets you up to speed. 520 today. Tune in to Wisconsin's afternoon news. Yeah, I, the, the, this, I, I continue to believe this, that this Stormy Daniels thing it's you You got to give her credit. As I've said, her and her sleazeball attorney are, are two of the greatest self-promoters to come around since, since Barnum and Bailey. And I give them credit for that. But at the same time, I, I continue to believe that we're going to look back two years from now, five years from now, at, at this period of time where there was this obsession with this pornographic film actress-slash-stripper – and I think people are going to say, you know, was this when, when we kind of lost our mind? You know, she's showing up outside of courtrooms and it's just, it's kind of like, uh, well, the disappointing factor, I guess, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, is after this incident last night, she is apparently, she's sorry to disappoint her fans, but she's canceled her performance tonight. So no Stormy Daniels at whatever strip club this was in Columbus, Ohio. All right. Um, we, we just discussed. This thing that happened a couple weeks ago and the fallout involving the George Webb waitress who had the concealed carry permit. Here's here's kind of the flip side of this, and I I, I, I label this this topic no good deeds goes unpunished. Because I, I want to get your reaction to this. All right. Um there's this place in Tallahassee, Florida, and it doesn't matter where it is because this could happen here. The place is called the Tal it's called Tallahassee it's Academy Sports in Tallahassee, and it's a sporting goods store. So they sell baseball gloves, they sell basketballs, they also sell guns, all right? So that's kind of the background here. Um, the, the store manager is a 32-year-old guy. Um, his, his name is Dean Crouch. Okay, so here's what happens. This this occurs about 10 days ago. Um, what, what happens is there's a guy who comes into the store He goes up to the, the firearms counter and he says he wants to, you know, look at, look at a gun and he picks out like some 40 caliber, um, fire, 40 caliber pistol and he says, I, I want to see it. So they take, you know, the gun out of the case and he's on the other side of the case and they show him the gun. And as soon as he gets the gun, he turns around and he starts running towards the front door. So they've given him the gun. He's now heading out the door with the gun. Crouch is, is the manager, and he observes the transaction, and he sees that this happening. And so what he does is he and another employee chase after the guy who's trying to run out the door with this pistol. They catch him. They tackle him at the exit doors. They get the gun. And as it turns out, um, what happens is he's got a backpack, and in the backpack he's got five boxes of ammunition, he's got two magazines, and he's got two handguns that he stole apparently a couple hours before at a pawn shop down the way by doing essentially the same thing. So he goes into the store, he has to see the gun, he's running out with it, he's got a couple other guns and a whole bunch of ammunition. They, they tackle him and they, they hold him. So what they then do is they call the cops, and they say, you know, come, we've got this guy. He was stealing this gun. They come, and they find that he, um, you know, he he had this. Apparently, while they're holding him, he threatens to shoot people. He said, yeah, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill some people, all right? Um, they don't mention exactly who it was that he threatens to kill, but he apparently threatens to kill people. So, okay, the, the police come up. And they arrest him. They take this guy. He ends up being charged with a crime. I'm not sure, based on the story I have, whether or not he had a prior felony record or not. But but he stopped. You get the idea of what's going on here. This is a bad character who obviously intended to do bad things with these guns that he was stealing. All right. So the, the store manager. Now, you hear this story, and maybe your reaction is, gosh, that's good. He stopped this guy from running out the door, got all these stolen guns and these weapons and these ammunition. He was clearly up to no good. Well, what happened is immediately, you know, after, after the word got out about this, the store manager was put on suspension. Apparently, the store has a policy that prohibits employees from placing their hands on customers while they're in the store. Yesterday, no, Tuesday, so two days ago, the store followed up and fired this man saying that um, he was suspended. He was terminated um, essentially because he tackled the guy that was leaving the store with the um, with the guns. Um, So the man is now unemployed. He's got a wife and two small children. Um, he said, okay, he's now lost the job. The spokespeople say that, um, well, yeah, we, we did this in connection with, you know, a company policy. While the incident ended without injury, actions inconsistent with corporate policies were taken. We addressed this manager matter with the local store and the individuals um, involved. So in other words, yes, we've got this policy says that says you don't put your hands on people in the store and the manager was fired for tackling the man who had stolen, was in the process of stealing the firearm in possession of several other guns and a whole bunch of ammunition. Let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, you've got rules. The rules say you're not supposed to touch employ people, customers, when they're in the store. Should this man... Simpson's manager simply have stood by should he have watched the thief run out into the night with this stolen gun and we now know he had a bunch of other stolen guns and a bunch of ammunition would it have been responsible for him to stand by and simply watch and allow this crime to occur if the man if this thief goes out and shoots somebody 30 minutes later how does the manager live with himself the company the store says well rules are rules. How should this have been handled? The manager was fired. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 147, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, the lawyer for the manager who was fired says, the store is more concerned about people like the thief suing them for being stopped in the course of a theft than they are about rewarding or acknowledging in a positive manner The fact that the manager may have saved lives. If you're just tuning in, the story is, guy walks into the sporting goods store, asks to see a gun. They show him the gun. He turns around. He starts fleeing for the front door. The manager sees this. He runs over, tackles him, and, and they hold him for the police. The guy's got the gun. Apparently he's got a couple other guns that he stole a couple hours earlier from a pawn shop down the way. He's also got a bunch of ammunition. The store has fired the manager because the store has a policy saying, well, you're not supposed to lay hands on people, customers, when they're in the store. Apparently, this particular sporting goods operation would rather the man have run out into the night and killed people with that gun than been stopped by the manager. 414-799-1620. Frank in Milwaukee. Frank, you're on WTMJ.
2: Good afternoon. What That's a great program today. Thanks. And uh, how you doing?
0: I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for calling. What do you think about this?
2: Well, I think this guy should be given a medal and he's not going to have a problem getting a job anywhere else. He he not only saved his life, he saved the customer's life. And he set a precedent. We're tired of these thugs coming in and hurting uh, all our fellow American people in our, our great country. And uh, we just don't want this to happen. He's
0: He's a hero. I uh, see. I Frank, thanks. For, I agree with you completely. Look, here, here's the deal. I, I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm going to put on my recovering lawyer hat. I understand that these stores are concerned about well, what happens if you rough up a customer and the person turns around and sues? I, I, I get all that. I mean, so I, I understand and I don't have a po- problem in general with a policy or a guideline that says, as a general rule. You should not get involved in confrontations. You shouldn't put your hands on customers. I I get it in theory. At the same time, um, this rules are rules mentality drives me crazy. There should be exceptions to every rule. In this particular situation, the manager, at least in my opinion, is, is, I agree with Frank, he's an absolute and total hero. When you're, you know, you're not talking about somebody that shoplifted some gum and ran out the store or a baseball glove. You're talking about somebody who was stealing a gun, who had stolen other guns and apparently was preparing to do something with them. The manager thwarted that crime. He perhaps saved lives. It is appalling to me that the pinheads and the bureaucrats at this particular store or in the store management or corporate or whatever are unable to recognize that under these particular circumstances, regardless of what the overall rule is, this man did the right thing. And I think, you know, you can say, all right. Here's what I think you do. You whistle him in to human resources. First of all, you know we we have this policy, and just so you understand, as a general rule, you're not supposed to do this. But under these circumstances, all's well that ends well. Here, we're giving you a promotion, and we're giving you a bonus. You have made the community safer. You are a hero. That, in my opinion, is how the store should have handled this. Greg in Whitehall. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
2: Hey, good afternoon. Good First afternoon. First time calling. Good. Love, love your show.
0: Thanks for calling. I uh, appreciate it a lot.
2: I personally worked as a assistant manager in a store similar to Academy. Uh, we sold firearms. We had a, a sign on the front door that said concealed carry uh, is allowed in the store. Mm-hmm. We also had a store meeting with uh, management, and we were told if anyone comes in, to do damage to property or patrons or even employees. We were not allowed to grab a gun and defend anyone. If we did, we would be fired on the spot. <laughs> okay.
0: So, so if, if you've got a guy that's shooting up the store and killing other customers, um, don't do anything to defend yourself. Well, that's a heck of a, that's a heck of a message that the store is sending you.
2: It certainly is. My like my son, who's an army ranger. He says it's always better to be judged by six things or <laughs> uh, judged by fault and
0: carried by six. Well, I, I mean, thank, I mean, see, and that, and I understand that this is the lawyers. I, I get it. This is well. Well, we don't want to be sued. We don't want to have this problem. So I understand the rule, and I, I think as a general as a general concept, it is a good rule. But you have to be able to look at these things as other than black and white. In this particular situation, now maybe. Again, maybe if the guy is stealing a baseball glove and he's running out the door, maybe that's a different sort of scenario. Maybe if it's a twelve year old kid that's ripping off a softball and you go tackle him, okay, maybe that's a different situation, and maybe the punishment for violating the rule is you fire him. I, I accept that. But that's not what happened here. You had a desperado who would stolen a gun, who was making the way for the door. I have a text here who, who raises a texter who raises the absolutely great question. Jeff, could you imagine the ramifications this manager would face for not doing anything if this idiot would have shot up a school or something? Absolutely. Think about that. And this is what you'd love to say to the, to the, again, the pinheads who run this sporting goods store, Academy Sports. What if, what if the manager had seen this happen? had seen this forty caliber pistol being stolen, had an opportunity to stop the man from running out the door, but had just simply let him run out the door. Let him run by. I'm gonna call the police. Well by the time the cops get there, guy's gonna be long gone. Okay, so I, I'm gonna let him go. And then it turns out that an hour later, the guy using that gun decides to hijack a school bus, shoot the you know or or whatever you know whatever walk into a 711 start firing kill a bunch of kids what would have happened then can you imagine i'm going to tell you this would be a national story and the picture of that manager who would then be saying well um i didn't do anything because corporate policy let me told me not to touch anybody well sir do you think you could have stopped him well yeah sure i could have stopped him i could have run over and tackled him but i didn't want to lose my job because the company would have done it shame on this store for doing this. 154 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 209. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right. This is, it's a story that if it happens, it's very, very good news. But there's, there's always that but. There's this asterisk. and, And I want to discuss it with you. We are, we are looking at a job explosion in southeastern Wisconsin you know you you have there's now the groundbreaking on the Foxconn facility I understand that some people want to make it a political issue. And if this were Jim Doyle and Barack Obama who had brought Foxconn to Wisconsin, a number of the harshest critics would be instead the biggest cheerleaders. But, you know, you, I, I get it. This is what politics is all about. You have people, you know, because Scott Walker and Donald Trump were involved in, in making this happen, they're they're just they want to root against it. They want to see that it fail. But the reality is, you know, Foxconn is a done deal. Um, what you are going to see over the next couple of years as you are going to see several thousand people being employed at the Foxconn facility. 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, I don't know. And and we'll just have to see how it develops over time, over time. But there's going to be thousands of people. And and already there's been all these jobs created as a result of Foxconn because you've got all the construction workers that are working down in that area. And it's been, at least temporarily, it's it's a gold mine for, you know, people who are looking for jobs and contractors and things like that. So I, I think over the next couple of years, Foxconn. Certainly going to be hiring several thousand people, and again, we can argue, and we 're not going to know for sure, but it 's going to be several thousand a little bit further down the road in Kenosha, you have the Amazon fulfillment Center that they started a couple years ago that that has about three thousand full time employees right now, and then of course it, it, they, they add more depending it you know around the um, the holidays and stuff that they add more but you know that Amazon fulfillment center currently about 3000 people in Kenosha and by the way that the Foxconn jobs are going to be exactly the type of jobs that we've been, you know, talking about saying we we need these are not minimum wage jobs. You know, these are jobs they estimate they come with benefits. They're, they're jobs that they estimate you're going to make around fifty grand a year on. I mean, these are the type of jobs that you want to see come into an area, and yet there's some people who still don't like it. You've got the Amazon jobs, you know, the, the warehouse jobs. They at Amazon, and again, it, 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 there's averages, but you know, average average job, you know, working in the Amazon warehouse, about 12.50 an hour. You know, I mean some people make 12, some people make 13. You know, average about $12.50 an hour. But the Amazon jobs, the full-time jobs, health benefits, 401k benefits and all sorts of other things. I mean, again, these are the type of jobs that you say, "Hey, you know, we the this is what we want to this is what we want to see." Well, Okay, on top of this, so you got the 3,000 people currently working in Kenosha. You've got Foxconn coming in Pleasant Prairie, which is going to bring thousands of jobs. Don't know how many. And then you have the report from earlier this week that Amazon is considering building another fulfillment center. This one would be bigger than the firm's Kenosha site, and they would build this in Oak Creek. And the estimates are that this fulfillment center, um, if if they bought this and went with it, it, it would employ about another thousand people. Again, this is it, it shows the way Amazon is expanding, it shows the fact that there's this demand, more and more people are shopping over the internet, and it also shows the fact that one of the one of the keys now. Um, for internet shopping is going to be how quickly can you get stuff processed and how quickly can you get stuff delivered? So if this comes to pass, and again, it's, it's an if, but I think it's certainly a, a possibility. You know, you're talking about another thousand jobs just in, a, in a bulk. These are all good things because again, these are the type of jobs that you want to see and you see this entire I-94 corridor growing and, and that's great, but there is a flip side to this. And that flip side is, where where are the workers going to come from? Um, right now, in Wisconsin, we are very, very close to effectively full employment. I mean, the unemployment rate at historic lows. Um, you have people who have dropped out of the labor force for whatever reason, um, so they they're not looking for work. They're not interested in necessarily working. But among the people who are interested in working, you know, you have you have record levels of employment. So there's not like there's this huge labor base to draw from. It's not like years ago when you were looking at seven or eight or nine percent unemployment. So effectively, right now, everybody who or almost everybody who wants a job can get a job. Now it might not be exactly the job they want. It might not be the job that they feel that they have trained for. It might require, in some cases, relocation to get the job. But there are jobs out there, and employers are are crying to try to find people. So 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I want to discuss. As Foxconn develops, if Amazon comes and creates another 1,000 jobs, with all this other stuff that is going on in this area, Are we going to be able to find the people to fill all these various jobs? Do we have the available labor force? Are there enough people out there that want to work? Or is this going to be the problem that that kind of stops this all in its tracks? Not that the jobs aren't available, but we can't find people to fill the jobs. 414 799 1620 Will we be able to staff all these new businesses that are coming in and setting up in southeastern Wisconsin? And if so, how are we going to do it? What do you think? We'll discuss next. 414 799 1620. It's 215. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 218. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The stage will be packed tonight for the Democratic gubernatorial debate. Uh, yeah, there might be more people on stage than are actually watching it. Who will emerge as a leader? Gene Miller gets analysis at 721 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Hi, Dave.
4: Hey, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: Good. Uh, okay, we, we've got potentially all these businesses coming to southeastern Wisconsin. Do we have the workforce to, to man those businesses?
2: I think for those types of businesses, yes, I think absolutely. I mean, it's just, obviously, there's logistical issues and things like that. Um but for like I was telling your screener, mm-hmm. um, there's a big swath of people out there, myself included, that, you know, are, are in their fifties, um and rose to a level of, you know, starting sweeping floors and working yourself up to executive level CEO you know, right. whatever. And it's you know, especially without a degree, man, I can't it's hard to find anything unless you really want and to be you know, I can't, you know, survive on twelve fifteen an hour, I mean it's just not gonna cut it. You know, that type of thing. I got a mortgage and things like that. Sure. So But I mean, as far as for younger people entering the workforce, especially coming out of school, yeah, I think it's it's a huge opportunity. I think you'll be able to fill it. It's just a matter of I guess getting them to where the jobs are, I think is going to be the biggest problem more than anything.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you completely, Dave. One of the things about, about Foxconn, putting aside Amazon for a second, that I was so frustrated with when there was this debate going on in the legislature is... If you want to look at where one of the one of the areas of the state where you still have the pockets of unemployment, it's Milwaukee County in general and certainly the city in particular. Instead of voting against Foxconn, I would have thought that the the people who represent the city would have been doing everything they can to support Foxconn and then figure out, okay how let's also talk about ways of getting our constituents uh, down to Foxconn, yeah. whether it's yeah, buses it or whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at that program that uh, that uh, Ron Johnson puts together with with carting people up to Sheboygan and things right. like that. You know, I mean, I, I probably was the project something or other. I forgot what the name of it is, but uh, the same deal. I mean, if they really put their heads together, they really wanted to get it done. They could easily find right. a way to put together, you know, fleets yep. of buses and, yep. and, and transportation issues and things like that, eliminate that whole.
1: Argument, yes. So
0: to speak. Yeah, no, thanks. So it's, it's interesting, and actually, um there was a, a hearing earlier this week that the county board, at least the transportation committee, they're starting to look at that. I mean, taking you know dedicated bus lines and running them down to Foxconn, which I, by the way, I, I support. I mean, I guess the devil is in the details, figuring out the money of this, but I mean, this is the the the, the key thing now is we have gotten to a point in southeastern Wisconsin where we've got the jobs and so now the key thing is connecting those people who might be looking for jobs connecting them with again the area where the jobs are and and if that means you know running running buses or you know adding freeway flyers or whatever do it i mean i that's to me that's the easy thing but this is I think you know when you hear these stories about Amazon being willing to come, I think the the answer is yes, we want to embrace this. Now, I also understand this is going to be a challenge for other employers because here's what's going to happen. Let's say Amazon builds in Oak Creek, all right? And let's say Amazon is paying twelve fifty an hour or whatever. Well, I, I, I clearly realize that some of the people that are going to go to work for Amazon are going to leave their current employers. Maybe you're working at some other facility and you're making 11 bucks an hour. Now you hear, hey, the Amazon is in Oak Creek. I can get down to Oak Creek. I, I like the idea that I get benefits. I like the idea I got a 401k plan and they're paying 1250." right, see you later, boss. Well, okay, that's going to create a ripple effect because there is going to be some sort of poaching, I guess, would be the term I would use. So, I mean, it is going to make employers, I think, have to be a little bit more aggressive about this. But that's a good thing. I mean, that that's that's a good thing. It also, I think, makes it really clear that there's jobs that are out there for people to to get if they want to work. Steve in Waukesha. Hi, Steve. You're on WTMJ. Good
2: morning, Jeff. Good afternoon. Jeff. Yes,
0: sir. Good afternoon, sir.
2: I'm going to have to completely disagree. Okay. I'm dead set against Foxconn. I think it is the perfect example of horrible planning for Southeast Wisconsin. Um, To think that we're going to send people by bus to get down to either Foxconn or Amazon um, is going to, number one, uh, create more congestion problems between here and Chicago. Um, Think of all the semis that are now going to be jumping onto I-94 to be able to deliver goods and services to Amazon or Foxconn. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no, adequate housing within that area to support the labor force. So you've got a problem with, okay, you've got all these people who want to work, but where are they going to live?
0: Well, okay, let's talk about it. I mean, okay, Amazon is in Oak Creek. I mean, I, I, is it that really, is it that, and, and Foxconn is in Pleasant Prairie. I mean, is it really that much of a stretch to say if somebody lives in the city of Milwaukee? I mean, what's what's the commute, a half hour or something, maybe, maybe slightly more than that? Is that really that ridiculous a commute?
2: I'm thinking more in terms of LA. I'm thinking that the freeways are gonna be so congested going forward, we're just gonna end up merging with Chicago. You know, they're across the state border, of course, but mm-hmm. that's the trend that's happening. Is all along I ninety four, we're developing businesses that require thousands and thousands of workers. Right. And it's right near the edge of the freeway. But isn't that we a have- good
0: thing? I mean, I guess if the alternative well, is the land sits barren and we don't have the jobs, is that a superior alternative?
2: Well, it's not that we don't have the jobs. We don't have the people to fill the jobs yes. we have now. Yes. That's a problem. Right. You know, so now if we're going to create even more jobs, we're going to be drawing people from out of state. Yeah. They don't have a place to live. So where are they going to stay?
0: Well, I, I think, know? I mean, I guess, I mean, thanks. For, I mean, I guess to me, Steve, Maybe I'm the glasses half full guy, and 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 looking at it like the glasses half empty guy. I think that's a good problem to have. I mean, I I think it's it's good that instead of being a net exporter of people, I think it would be be good to to have people coming into this area, and if that means a, as a connection of that, you have. You have, okay, you, you let's say you've got 5,000 people, for the sake of argument, that, that want to move to Wisconsin to to work at, you know, this place, or they want to work at Foxconn for the sake of argument. All right, and, and there's not enough existing housing in the immediate area. Well, what's going to happen? You're going to have developers that are going to come in. They're going to build apartments. I mean, that's kind of the way sort of the free market ends up ends up working, you know, you're, you're going to have, you know, growth. Now, candidly, I guess I look and I think, you know, Foxconn or, or Amazon, they're not so far away from the areas where you've got, you know the, the problems to the extent that there is a problem with unemployment that you you know you can't you know run extra buses Th- does that mean you might have to expand the freeway yeah oh, yeah but I, that's that, that's a good problem i guess i would argue that that's a good problem to have and that the market generally you know takes care of these different situations i mean a lot of these businesses why are they looking at developing along that I-94 corridor? Well, because there's a lot of land available. It's been underdeveloped. You do have that access on the freeways. Um, Does this mean that you're going to need more infrastructure? Yeah. But I guess if the alternative is, okay, we we have the infrastructure. The alternative is either we bring people here, we become a magnet, and people start working and paying taxes and buying goods and services, which I think is a good thing, or you kind of let it sit barren. I'm going to opt with... Okay, let's deal with the problem of prosperity and figure that the market's going to take uh, take over because again, if you have all of a sudden 2 or 3,000 people that have moved from out of state here and they're looking to to live um close to Foxconn or or close to, you know, the Amazon facilities, well, if I'm the developer, I'm saying, "Hey, I go out, I scoop up some of this land, I build some apartment buildings or condos or whatever." And I'm all set. I, I get. I want to be a glasses half full guy on this, but I do appreciate as I see all this development going on, that's going to be the big challenge. Where are the people going to come from? If, if I was Foxconn and to a lesser extent Amazon, I'd be developing partnerships with a lot of the local schools, high schools and, of course, colleges because there's different skill levels to try to, to get that, that flow of people. One of the things that has been very frustrating, and this is from somebody who's lived in this area almost all my life, Back in the day, back in the day, when I got out of high school, you didn't need to have a college education. A college education was good. But, I mean, I I know people who you got out of high school, you got that high school degree, if you had a good work ethic, you could go and and you could work in in an area factory. You know, think of all the factories we used to have. You know, you'd, you'd have Alan Bradley and, you know, Alice Chalmers and, um all all the different places you had the amc plant you had you know all the different places that were scattered around briggs all these different places you know you could with a good work ethic come out of high school you could get a good job that would allow you you know a middle class place you're not going to buy a learjet but you know you could you could have a good job you could raise a family a lot of those jobs have disappeared all right i so i understand that, that that's gone I would like to see some of those jobs, and and those manufacturing jobs are probably gone, but this is... This is that new wave, and, and wouldn't it be great if you could have somebody that, you know, you, you do, maybe you could you could work and you could get a good starting toehold into a job without having to go to college, you know, go to the technical school or get an apprenticeship or, you know, just again, you know, work out um, some deal with Amazon. This is an exciting time, I think, and I, I just, I, I don't want to be that glasses half full guy. It's 228. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 237. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It was a party 26 years in the making. WTMJ is excited to announce our first-ever Brewers Classic broadcast. We're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the Milwaukee Brewers' dramatic 2008 win against the Chicago Cubs, securing the team's first playoff appearance since 1982. That's Brewers Classic, this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Sponsored by Associated Bank, U.S. Cellular, West Bend, the Silver Lining, and Woodman's Food Markets. Of course, the, the Brewers... Five games in the next four days, and then they have the All-Star break. Four Brewers going to be in the All-Star game, and they're off from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're back in action a week from Friday, but that's why. We get a chance. you got the All-Star game on Tuesday, and then we've got our special Brewers Classic broadcast on Wednesday. How cool is that? Okay, as somebody, again, as I was saying a little bit earlier, who spent most of their life in in this this area – I've seen a lot of grocery stores come and go. And you you've had the grocery store wars. I mean just, just think back over time. You don't have to go back that long to remember when you had uh Coles grocery stores. I mean Coles was was big in this area. You would have Kroger's, you'd have Jewel, um, you know, Sentry at one point in time, and I understand that you've still got a couple Century Sentry stores around, but uh, you know, Sentry was was a dominant player for the longest time and grocery stores come and go. Over the last 10, 12 years, there's been an incredible amount of competition. One of of the chains that that moved into this area was was the Fresh Market stores. Fresh Market is a grocery store chain. It's headquartered in North Carolina, and they have stores throughout the, the Southeast and the Midwest primarily. They, they've had two stores operating in southeastern Wisconsin actually they're the only stores in Wisconsin one in Brookfield that's been operating for about 11 years and one in Fox Point in the River Point shopping center right off the freeway that's been open for about seven years well fresh market announced earlier this week that they were they were closing both of their Wisconsin stores they're closing the store in Brookfield they're closing the store in um, Bayside slash Brown Deer closing those. At the same time, they're closing a number of other stores um, in the Chicago area. Um, they're closing stores in Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, New Hampshire, Tennessee, Virginia, and of course, you know, Wisconsin. And the closings are, are coming up pretty suddenly. I mean, they're going to be closed in the next two to four weeks. So you have people that are going to be losing their jobs. But but on top of that, you're going to have you know people that Fresh Market. Which has has built itself up as as being sort of a high end specialty type of of store. Fresh Market um, made a big deal about like or- organic stuff. They they had a lot of high end you know meats. Um, I think I mean I'll be honest with you from time to time. You know, when, when it, if you wanted a really, you know, high-end cut of meat, you know, I would shop at Fresh Market. Fresh Market wasn't something that I went to on a regular basis, but every once in a while over the years, I would go to the Fresh Market in Bayside slash, you know, Brown Deer. So I, I would patronize it, but not on a regular basis. Fresh Market also um, had a lot of specialty prepared food. That was one of the, the centerpieces that you could go and you could buy quality prepared food. Um, it, it was, I think, pricier, forget, think it was definitely pricier than a number of the other options that were there. But at the same time, um, it, it was a, it, you, you got quality, I think, in general when you went there. But it was a high-end, what I would describe as a more specialty series of stores. That model doesn't appear to be working, at least not as much as it did, as evidenced by the, the closing of the two stores in southeastern Wisconsin, both in areas where – if you thought there was disposable income to support it, th- those would be the areas. And yet those stores didn't make it. And a number of stores in Chicago didn't make it. And Fresh Market is retrenching. Like I say, they've announced the closing of stores suddenly all over the country. At the end of this, they're going to be left with a much smaller geographic footprint. But they think about 161 stores across the country. But I, I guess I am curious and I am intrigued by why... Why Fresh Market couldn't make it in Southeastern Wisconsin. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accunet Mortgage talk and text line. Well, what happened? You know, this, these stores came into the market, you know, with a, with a big splash. Here, we're, we're going to offer you quality. It's going to be the high end stuff, high end meats, the specialty prepared foods, the fancy produce. Yes, you might pay a little bit more, but you know, we believe this is what the customers want. What happened? What went wrong with Fresh Market in southeastern Wisconsin? I've got a theory, but if any of you shopped at Fresh Market or didn't shop at Fresh Market, you know why was that? What went wrong? What was wrong with the model? Because I think maybe that tells us where grocery shopping is going to go in the future. What happened here? 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 243 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Forty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMG Journal Sentinel has an update. This Build-A-Bear thing at Mayfair, they, they, they had to close their lines. And apparently this was such a successful promotion all across the country. Uh, Build-A-Bear, per local authorities, we cannot accept additional guests at our U.S. Build-A-Bear workshop locations due to crowd and safety concerns. We have closed lines in our U.S. stores. We understand some of our guests are disappointed. We will reach out directly as soon as possible. The Mayfair store, which usually opens at 10, opened at 845. By 1030, it had closed the line to new guests. At first, the store turned people away. Then it offered people $15 coupons. At Mayfair, there were more than 1,000 people in a line that snaked all the way around the balcony on the second floor of the mall from the Build-A-Bear store to the Macy's end of the mall and then back on the other side about 50 people were allowed into Build-A-Bear um, at the time, and apparently they were um, unprepared for the turnout. Well, that's a successful promotion. All right, the flip side of this is Fresh Market, which came in with a lot of fanfare, came into the Milwaukee market a number of years ago, opened two stores. Um, it, it's They're closing. In the next couple of weeks, uh, a failure. They're closing stores all over the country, as a matter of fact. What happened? John and Slinger. John, you're on WTMJ.
1: Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, John. Hey, I I really think a lot of why these high-end marketplaces don't do well is because you're really dealing with a frugal market. And I'd like to preface that with I used to listen to a a local radio station uh, in the area back in the 80s and 90s that used to have a recipe show every morning. And almost everything that you would get for recipes either had cream of celery, cream of mushroom, Mm -hmm. cream of something in it. And I think that's a heavy – I think that's the Eastern European mentality. They're frugal. It's about comfort food. Um, and as a former chef, you know, people just don't eat. You know, they don't cook. They don't cook for themselves. They mm-hmm. don't eat fresh. If it's not out of a box or out of a can and if it's not quick, they don't know about it. Yeah, but,
0: that, you know, but one of the things that Fresh Market was was going for, too, is that, that high-end prepared sort of food. I mean, that's one of the things that they had – that they were trying to use to differentiate themselves between some of the other grocery stores.
1: Agreed. But, again, I think it comes right down to being frugal and not wanting right. to pay for that. You could, you could put that across the board with all kinds of genres. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I really think that's the big thing. You know, I don't think it's about not knowing. I don't think it's about being ignorant to eating healthy. I just think it comes down to what's simple, what's quick. right? What's easy. What did mom do? What did grandma do? This is what I do. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks to call, John. I mean, I think one of the other things that are going on is I think there's a, a lot of the, the larger grocery chains around here sort of co-opted the, the fresh markets model, you know, for, for the, for the grab-and-go food, for the prepared food. I mean, you, you, you know, you can't go into – you know, most grocery stores nowadays without seeing huge, to, huge, you know, areas that are devoted to the here. You know, we've got the prepared meals that are there or we've got the, the take and bake pizzas or we've got, you know, the the, the rotisserie chickens or, or whatever. I, I think that I, I think that that model ended up getting co-opted. And to your point, you also had this, this price point that I think started to play in there as well. Uh, Gina in Milwaukee. Gina, you're on WTMJ. Hello
1: think it's just because of increased competition. I mean, I don't remember when the fresh
2: market came out, but since then, you've got Trader Joe's in Brookfield, you've got the Fresh Time, you've
1: got Sendix, which has been opening a lot of new stores. You have the higher-end pick-and-save. Yeah,
0: the metro markets, yep.
1: Yeah. So you just, you know, there's there's only so much food that a person can buy, and you have all these different options. And, you know, where are you going to go? A place that offers good quality food, higher potentially higher quality food. But at a price point, that's a little bit lower than what the fresh market offered. So I just think, you know, people found what they were looking for at other places.
0: Right, and in and, and sort of a larger presence. Like I say, I mean, it, it used to be – I mean, I, I was I, I was in one of these big grocery stores just the other day. I, thankfully, my wife does most of the shopping, and I don't have to go there that often. But I mean, I was just amazed. There was aisle after aisle of again the, the the prepared sort of food that just hey, if if you just take this meal and go home and heat it up, a lot of the stuff that I think Fresh Market offered, and and now it's it's been co opted by some of these other stores. That again, at your point, a lower price point, and that's why people jump on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I will tell you, and like I say, I would, I, I mean, I, I used to, I liked Fresh Market. I, I thought they had very high quality stuff, but I'll tell you the truth is I didn't go there for the regular shopping. Sometime if I would want a specialty cut of meat or something like that. Hey, we're going to grill up. we want to get a couple of really nice steaks. Yeah, I, I would go over to Fresh Market, but for, you know, the day-to-day sundries and things, I, I wasn't going to Fresh Market for that because, you know, it could go somewhere else and, you know, it would be a lot cheaper. Plus, you're right, Gina, you've got the, the added competition that's coming in and now you've got all those grocery stores you were talking about. Now you've got Myers and Woodman and all these different things. I just don't think they could compete. Tanya in Whitefish Bay. Hi, Tanya. You're in WTMJ.
1: I used to go to Fresh Market all the time. I live in Whitefish Bay, and it was right on my way home. They had the best meat. Their chicken roll breasts were amazing. And I'm really sad, but there weren't a lot of people in there. And no, you don't do your week's worth of shopping at Fresh Market.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, why do you think...
1: That's Donald Trump.
0: Right. Well, well, that said, I mean, well, why do you think it... Why do you think it... They, they failed? I mean, because... I mean, again, you're locating these. They're, you know, the one in Bayside slash Brown Deer, the other one in, you know, Brookfield. Um, so you're in an area where there's theoretically at least a little bit more disposable income. If they offer that higher quality, why, why didn't they work?
1: You know what? They worked for me. But apparently, um, I was one, I, I think I told your screener, I was like one of four people in the store. And they couldn't right. sustain business with me and the yeah. other three. <laughs>
0: Right, and like you were saying, you weren't no, doing. Your,
1: we were buying with me.
0: Yeah, you weren't doing your daily shopping there. You'd you'd go there for the specialty type of things. No, thanks for the call because that that's you, you're me, and you know, uh, I mean, I can remember uh, I, again if you wanted a a special. If I was in the area, or you, okay, you know, we're. Hey, we're, we're going to stay home tonight. We're going to, you know, grill a steak, and 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 we we, we want a really good cut of meat. And I am not knocking the cuts of meat that you get at other places, but you wanted something maybe like a cut slightly above, and you didn't mind paying for it. Okay, we'd we'd go over there. Um But in general, would you do your daily shopping? No, you wouldn't. And you are right; the place there were never. I would go to the one in Brown, Brown Deer or Bayside, or wherever exactly it is at Riverpoint Shopping Center, and you'd go there, and it, it wasn't packed. I just I am kind of sorry to see it go. But I think this is one of the trends in the, the so-called grocery wars, that the, the, the days of the specialty markets are kind of going away because more and more of the large grocers, they're, they're, they're offering that for you. They're offering the grab-and-go type of stuff, and they're also offering perhaps a wider variety of products at different price points. Barbara in Pewaukee. Hi, Barbara.
1: Hi, thanks. Taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I I love, love, love my send on Capitol Drive. They have everything I want, the high end fish, meat, seafood, groceries. I can do everything in one place. This right. It's a great parking lot. I didn't think the location on um the one in Brookfield, you know, right on the corner of Moorland and Blue Mount. It was always so crowded there just to get in and out of it.
0: Right, it tough fun. to get in, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you, moving forward, do you think that, do you think that we're going to see more fallout, more grocery store chains failing?
1: Yes, I really do. I think there's too many and there's not enough differentiation. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I like being able to go to one place and get everything. And I don't care if, you know, Pick and Save is <laughs> something for 10 cents cheaper. I, I like just dealing with one.
0: Right. Yeah. Where you okay. get that. No, thanks, thanks for the call, Barbara. I appreciate it. Nice hearing from you. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, that, that, I, I, this is, I think this is the first salvo. Um, and, and look, I'm, I'm a big believer in competition. I'm glad to see that we have all these grocery store options there. I think some of them aren't sustainable, and I don't know who's going to win and who's going to lose, but that's the bigger point here. I think what you're seeing is fresh market, and it's leaving this market, the Milwaukee market, is is I think it's the first step. We, we've got so many different grocery store choices out there. I think things are going to shake out. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm kind of sorry to see him go, but I'm not surprised. It's 2.54. When we come
2: back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.